Hey there, para-junkies and listeners. We have super exciting news. This Sunday, January 22nd, we will be recording a podcast episode with the Two Girls, One Ghost podcast. Para-junkies will get that episode same day on Sunday, and it will be released to the public on JT's birthday, which is Thursday, January 26th, and that'll come out at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So keep a lookout for it and stay spooky, y'all. I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on Earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Most Haunted City on Earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we have Radar here with us today. Most of you probably know her by now because she's been on the podcast a couple times. Um, but if you don't know her, one go listen to her episodes. But also, um, I'll let you introduce yourself and also... Uh, Tell us a little bit about these fun events that are happening in Savannah. Um, well, I am Radar. Um, I do some paranormal investigating. Um, I'm about to start a podcast as well. Um, I'm going to start on TikTok, so Radar on the Radar 9. But um, I just joined the Paranormal Society as well. Uh, there's a lot of exciting things happening with them because um, they do so many investigations throughout the year. They've done over 204 years that they've been around. And they just got their headquarters down in Midway, Georgia. It's called the Haunted Coffee Grounds. It's a coffee shop. <laughs> um, but that's also where they hold their classes, paranormal classes that you can take. Um, so it's a lot of fun. But the big thing that's coming is February 25th, they're doing the Horror Fest. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Lots of vendors, including me. Um, but there's also going to be panel members, y'all. And let's see, they also have Heather Taddy uh, from Paranormal State, if y'all know who she is. Kyle Cobb, a demonologist. There's William Mark McCullough and Jalen Buffkin, both from uh, Savannah Haunting. And very interesting, Azelzel, the paranormal clown, plus many more. <laughs> <laughs> um, tickets have gone on sale already. Um, so if you'd like to get tickets, I'd start getting those now. Um, there's going to be so many more panel members that are going to be there and vendors, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, to get your tickets, it's paranormalsocietyofsavannah.ticketspice.com. Um, military's free, children 12 and under are free, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So, Yep. And exciting. It is very exciting. Oh, it's going to be at the Ailey Shriner Temple on Eisenhower. Ah, yes. excellent. Yes, so um, if you are interested in coming to Savannah at any point or you live in the general region of Savannah and you're looking for an excuse to come down here, this is definitely going to be a good one to um, make the trip down for. And 
our podcast will be present at the um, event. So if you want to come meet us, we would love to meet you and talk to you about Go See Things because that's what we'll be doing. It'll be a spooky time for all. It will be a spooky time for all. So definitely uh, check them out and just check out the Paranormal Society of Savannah out in general because they're a great group and they're doing really cool work. So Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to discuss today for this episode a little bit about the Savannah Theater because I know we have touched on the Savannah Theater a few times. Like, in very small bits and pieces, but not really as a whole. Um, Chris has actually investigated the Savannah Theater. So. I worked for them for 20 years. That, that also <laughs> assists uh, your, your um, expertise on the matter. So, uh, Chris, do you want to give us a little bit of background on your findings, at least? Sure, absolutely. You know, when I, I first came to Savannah in 1993, and in 1993, uh, when I got here, one of the first places that I went to go work at was the Savannah Theater. And as soon as I got there, like within the first like conversation I had, the statement, oh, this place is haunted, just came out just, just to get it out of the way as if, you know, uh, well, as long as you're going to be in this building, <laughs> right. you should probably know. And they had three ghosts that they identified, three ghosts that they felt very strongly, you know, you would probably encounter. The first ghost, they said, was a woman and you would, re- you would meet her on the stage. They called her Betty, and they, uh, they didn't really have a story necessarily behind her. They just knew that uh, usually it was tech week or opening night or you know, dress rehearsal night. People would encounter her on the stage, and they would sense her just off stage right, and they just have this kind of uh, notion that she was there. Sorry, stage left, and they just had this notion <laughs> that she was there. And then um, there was a boy... Well, actually, they said a child. So some, t- some people thought it was a girl. Some people thought it was a boy. It was a young boy. They figured to be eight-ish. Um, mostly people experienced this spirit through touch. They, they'd feel like pulls on the clothing or tugs on the hair up in the balcony. And there was a lot of talk about this child, a uh, little bit of a prankster. And at the time, they generally tried to connect the boy the child and the girl, the woman on the stage. They try to suggest that it was a mother and child situation, um, as we're apt to do. We, we're always looking for connection between ghosts. Uh, and then the last one, they simply called the director. And the director would shout at you. If you did something <laughs> oh, wrong, wow. he would shout at you. Uh, you. Sometimes you'd hear this lone clapping up in the balcony. Uh, you'd hear, you know, um, bravo, bravo, or get off the stage. <laughs> uh, and, and this would happen during a rehearsal process. Um, lots of people would see a man in the balcony. Uh, so the balcony is actually broken into two tiers. There's a lower tier and an upper tier. And in the upper tier of the balcony, people would see this man standing. And then when they turned to get a good look at him, he'd be gone, you know, just vanished. So, uh, so those were the three ghosts that everybody was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, you know, you'll, you'll run into those ghosts. And, uh, and as is my experience, um, theaters are just way stations for ghosts <laughs> you know right. you're going to get a lot of homeless ghosts you're going to get a lot of spirits who are just wandering aimlessly about and they they see the energy and the and the power of a theater full of that that living energy uh, plus all those electrical lights so you're going to get uh transient spirits but the the ghosts of the building seem to be woman on the stage child in the balconies man in the box actually technically the man could be anywhere but most people hear his voice from the balcony. And so over time, I did encounter each of these ghosts. Over time, I 
I directed uh, Barefoot in the Park. And I'll never forget because I had audience members asking me about the woman in the bell gown. And oh. I was like, no woman in the bell gown. And they're like, yeah, she was, she was outside the window. Now, Barefoot in the Park, the window that they're talking about is a skylight. And what they said they saw was a woman standing outside the skylight. Well, the skylight was on top of a flat. There was nothing to stand on that yeah. there. Um, there is a scene where somebody is at the window, but he's literally like leaning on the set. He's not standing up there. So it, it was weird that somebody would suggest that they saw this woman. And so the, you, we heard this over and over again, this woman in a, in, in a white bell gown. And, uh, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if that's Betty. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing that that's Betty. Uh, and I would see what looked like smoke, like someone was smoking a cigarette, you know, this wisp of smoke. And it would hang out close to center stage and then just whoo, go off stage. I was like, that's Betty, I bet. Um, my first encounter with the, with the child, I was running the spotlights up on the uh, balcony. And I'm, I'm following the uh, actress, I'm following her, and I couldn't move the spotlight anymore. Like the spotlight was somehow stuck. Like I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what's going on? And I realized that the extension cord from the spotlight had been tied in a bow around the- Casual. It it was, I was like, (laughs) what is going on? And so, you know, I undid that and I did the rest of the show, but people always talk about how the the ghost of the balcony is is a mischievous child who likes to play little pranks on people. And I felt that was a solid prank. And then, um, and then there was the occasion of um, taking paint from the lobby. Because sometimes we paint in the lobby. Don't do that. <laughs> we paint set pieces and stuff or, or, or things in the lobby. And we would carry it through the dressing room backstage. And one time carrying it through, a little bit of drip of paint fell onto the carpet of the dressing room. And this voice louder than anything, just shouts out, what are you doing? And of course, you drop the paint everywhere. (laughs) It's going all over the place now. But it was one of those things where there's a very um, protective spirit (laughs) at at the theater. And we we assigned that to be the director and and the encounter with the director. But um, yeah, over the years, and and (laughs) we could spend many, many hours talking about this. But over the years, I was able to, you know, find such interesting stories about uh, things that happened in that theater, stories of, of, of people's experiences that really sh- shed a light on what was going on in that theater. Um, the history of the theater is it is, it was built in 1818 and is the longest continually running theater in America. And it holds that record because even though it burned down twice, it was always a theater. Even though it was a movie theater for a short period of time, it was considered still a theater. There are plenty of theaters that were built and restored, but they went through long periods of time when they weren't theaters. You know, they, right. they, had, they served other purposes, and then they were either restored to being a theater, or they were dormant so long that you couldn't consider that they were continuously a theater. So that is, and going back and forth with it, because there are, there are other theaters in the country that predate the Savannah Theater, but they weren't theaters continuously. Uh, the Savannah Theater on that spot, in that location, has remained a theater since 1818. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, 
that's why we wanted to talk about this because we knew Chris had so many <laughs> stories with these ghosts. Yes, I, I, and and it gets it gets even more peculiar because there are there 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 have been uh, demon esque mm-hmm. stories about it. There have been. Um, uh, stories of groups of children. There have been, um, you know, uh, stories of the question of why are these entities in this building because they don't seem as connective. Uh, we we had. I, I was lucky enough to have a midnight ghost story telling show at the Savannah Theater, and I treated that like a ghost investigation. I, mm. I set it up so that the audience was, was participating in listening and hearing and feeling out for anything strange or peculiar. And I was telling stories to get everybody's mood right. And I was explaining all these things to us. So we had lots of, of fascinating experiences, lots of great times. And, uh, you know, I've done a lot of investigations since the mid nineties through to the, um, early teens, you know, given the opportunity to come and go into the theater um, because the people who are, who are running it now are wonderful people, very open. And I want to say that they are now hosting a, a tour company that's doing yep. paranormal investigations. investigations regularly as a tour, which is, you know, the more times you can get into a place and the longer you can establish a an ongoing investigation, the more likely you are to find things and the more right. likely you are to have ghosts that trust that their efforts are not going to be wasted. It's yeah. I, I've looked into doing the paranormal investigation that they have because it's not really a tour. They just give you the equipment and they let you loose for however many hours you want to pay for. So I've been wanting to do that because I've had a couple of experiences in the Savannah Theater, not as many as you, but... Um, I have felt a dark presence in there. Like there's some dark energy that I have felt in there. Not sure if it's a director or not, but. So um, intriguingly enough, this dark presence, uh, we haven't been able to completely figure out because the dark presence doesn't seem to be a person at all. Um, So here's my story of of encountering the dark presence. Uh, I organized a ghost hunt in the early aughts, and it was uh, basically I opened it up to friends. I was like, hey, you want to come? And what happened was that night, it was like 20-plus people showed up, and many of them claiming to have varying levels of sensitivity. So we get in there, and we're in the the theater and we spread out into corners and, and and we turn off all the lights and we're just sitting in the dark and it's just like, you know, sense, feel, you know, look, listen, try to, try to associate what you're feeling with, with some kind of entity, anything like that. So the, uh, first person to speak up was like, I I sense a nun. There's a nun in this building to which I'm like, that's new. (laughs) I was like, okay, (laughs) so you say a nun. Okay. I don't have a story to go with the nun. (laughs) I'll just, you know, leave it at that. I'll say, interesting, okay. And then someone says, I'm getting children. And I was like, interesting. And me knowing there's a child, I didn't want to tell them, that's it, you got it. I'm just kind of like letting it go as they are. But they went on to be like, I... It's like a dozen children. It's like 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 a like a group of children, and they're all suffering and they're screaming and they're having and, and so it was getting really weird. And so now, unfortunately, my my investigation team has been contaminated because now they are all yeah children yeah okay. And this can happen if one person brings up something, it can make your senses sort of 
lean towards what you just heard. Right. So now there is this kind of, oh, yeah, children. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, children, children. So we, we get this whole thing, and I'm just like, um, all right, well, we'll try to pull it back, you know, <laughs> because with the nun, I was like, maybe they're sensing the actress, and maybe she played a nun, or, you know, maybe something yeah. like that. So, so now I had a bunch of children and a nun, and I'm like, sound of music, perfect. We'll just go with that. You know, let's, let's, let's leave it alone. Um, and that was when... This, it, the youngest of the group was, uh, I want to say um, it was a 12 or 13-year-old kid. He goes, there's something dark on the stage. And he was like whispering, but for some reason his whisper, everyone heard. <laughs> we were all like, we all just stopped and we're like, what was that? He's like, there's something dark on the stage. And I stood there for a moment and I, 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 I honestly thought we had gotten into a slight hysterics and that... <laughs> There was no way we were going to have a good investigation that night. So I was like, let's, let's pack up. Let's, let's just go. Let's, let's get out of here and we'll, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll just kind of get ourselves out. So we're, we're moving away and I hear <clears throat> from the stage. <clears throat> Sound like someone's phone on vibrate sitting on the wood of the stage. Huh. <clears throat> and I'm asking anybody leave their phone. No, nope, we all have our phone. So I move towards the stage. I'm walking down. And this is in the pitch black of the theater. We've turned off all the lights. Um, I'm walking towards the stage. And as I get right at the second or third um, row of the stage, I hear it. But it goes. Ew. And it had a voice. Oh, no. And it was just like, I was frozen in place. And I look up. And the, um, the fly system have lights hanging from them. And the lights on them have their, you know, we don't turn those off. We don't turn the power going into the lights off. So you can see all these red lights. But there were six red lights that didn't look right. Two on top of two on top of two that just didn't look right. Like I'm looking at them. I'm like, what lights have those? And just as I was looking at them, that sound again. <clears throat> And those six lights moved as if they were attached to a head. Hmm. And that's when I was like, gone, that's leaving, a, <laughs> closing up, we're out. Uh, because I don't know if it was an invitation of a group of people wanting darkness right. to be there, if they weren't actively, you know, reaching into whatever. But I thought we needed to get out before we fed this thing any more than it needed to have. Well, when I have felt the dark energy, because I've gone in there several times, um, I don't know what it's attached to. I don't know if it was a person. I can't tell that yet because I haven't been around that energy enough. Um, but the children, you're talking about multiple children. Theater was built in 1818. We had the worst yellow fever epidemic in 1820. There could have been kids in there for a hospital. What's well, even Because there were so many makeshift hospitals back be- then. Because... Of course, I, 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 I started looking <laughs> after this oh, point, yeah. <laughs> trying to figure it out. The, the, the things that made bizarre sense, uh, the former stage manager there, um, I told her, so, you know, this group, you know, and, and they thought they ran into a nun. And she turned to ash and she's like, oh, my God. Because she used to escort people down the aisles during the shows. And she said one time she was coming down the aisle and she came face to face with somebody in her way, which she thought, oh, you know, it's, it's a patron. But as she moved, she realized she couldn't really make out 
any other feature than just this shape. And then she said, but it had this thing on its head that I couldn't place. She was like, it's an old, old style habit, you know, like an old nun's habit. And she was like, that's very weird. Um, we, uh, we went looking in the Georgia Historical Society, try to dig up. And while I was looking for all of these, these pieces, I found a fire in 1827, yeah. 1827 or 1828 where an actress passed away. She was actually uh, under the stage. And most stories were like she was in the dressing room. But from, from the sounds of it, she was under the stage. The stage caught fire and she actually died. She cooked to death under the stage. She didn't, she didn't catch on fire. She died you know, because she was Smoke under the stage while I was on fire. I don't even think it was that. I think it was oxygen depletion. I think that she oh. was under the stage while the stage oh. was on fire. And so all of it was above her. And so it was either heat or, or exhalation. But it, it was fascinating that that was the cause of death because you fast forward to the 1950s, or late 40s, 50s, there was a fire in which a, a boy, eight-year-old boy, was trampled to death by people, a fire broke out in the projection booth and everyone tried to get out and he got, you know, knocked over and, and, and trampled upon. And then, um, and these were all the stories that were coming around uh, trying to figure it all out. Um, so I was looking at the building. I couldn't find children. I couldn't figure it out. So I said, well, maybe I just need to look at the square. What's the history of the square? And there was a picture from 1878 it was a picture of the Chatham Academy, which is the school board now, right next to the theater, and it was on fire. And the building said, this is Chatham Academy, a school, and they said, a um, hundred years from the day the orphanage burned down. So you go back to 1798, the fires that were raging through Savannah on, on and off, <laughs> as Savannah was yes. apt to do. Um, but there's no record of an orphanage at that spot. But what it was, uh, what we had found out, was that during the fires, families would lose their homes and their entire lives. And while they were trying to figure out what to do, how to build a new home, they all gathered in what was basically a barn. And they were like, stay in the barn while we rebuild our homes, while we redo re this thing. So they weren't necessarily orphans. They were just families that were displaced by fire. Well, the barn caught fire. Oh, and no. 12 children died in the fire. Oh. And I was like, crazy. That is absolutely insane. And it turned out that during the days, the children were cared for by a, a convent. One nun passed away in the fire with the 12 children. And that, that brought about this whole new thing. Because, but that was one full lot away from where the theater stood. However, and this was a su supposition that we were coming up with, if a fire broke out in the barn, then the empty lot would be where you would run to. That is where you would right. tell people to go. If the last thing you heard before you died was run to that place where the theater ultimately was, they very well could have. They very well could have left that building, run across the way, and sought out safety at the site of the Savannah Theater. And it was like that's so very uh, circumstantial, but it, it was fitting all the pieces. But that's where you come to 
the book of demonology and witchcraft. <laughs> uh, I used to have this big, gigantic dictionary of demonology and witchcraft. Um, and basically all it was was a long list of names. Uh, you go into the index and you look up attributes, six eyes. You come back, you find a demon who I will not name. And its principal goal is devouring children. Interesting. And I was like, these, all these things, separate and bizarre, but that they were brought together by also disparate people, people who didn't really know each other, feeding each other a story that then seemed to be supportive by all these elements. Not to even suggest that that's actually what's going on. It's just how interesting right. that all of these elements, you can almost check them off <laughs> down a list, and you're like, oh, there was an instance where a large number of children died nearby. Oh, uh, the, the one thing that, that, that everyone started to sense was this darkness. And, and for folklore and for you know, storytelling's sake, a demon and a child, the reason why children are, are, are such prized possessions is children's spirits are endless energy. They don't dissipate the way other, because they are feeding themselves on their own imagination, on their own interpretation of what's going on. They don't have rules that they're trying to follow. They are existing purely on their own merit. And if a demon gets a hold of one of those spirits, it can torment it forever and, and live off of the torment of, the, uh, of, of that spirit. So lots of, lots of elements going into that whole side story that is, you know, Far from established, but I remember very distinctly getting the you know hair on the back of the neck stand up and the oh oh this is this is bad <laughs> this right. is strange because a lot of people the dark presence doesn't seem to bother anyone and most people do not encounter it at all uh, you know the people who work there never a dark thing happens there most of the time anything in the theater seems to be lighthearted loving and bright but every now and then I'll run into as a matter of fact there was a a, a trio of psychics who are traveling the East Coast who, who said the same thing. They're like, there's something dark on the stage. And to ask anyone else, they're like, there's nothing dark in this theater. There's no darkness in this theater. It's like, but it's interesting that it comes up, that there are people who are like, I think there is. I think there is something dark here. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say that is probably a matter of sensitivity. I think it's a matter of, you know, um, it's not the most pressing spirit there. It is just present. Yeah, it's not overly, like, pressing as far as the energy. I just feel it's there, but it's not, like, really, like you said, it's not really bothering anybody. No. Well, it has, it has what it wants. it's never bothered me when I've gone in. Right. But I can feel it's there. So I'm not sure exactly what it's doing. But um, the other thing that I've experienced is a standing ovation. <laughs> I was on the second floor in the restroom, and I started hearing, like, feet stomping and, you know, people clapping. And I was like, what the heck? I know there's not a show going on. And I ran out and, you know, into the theater. I was like, okay, nobody's out here. It was just the weirdest thing. So that is an amazing encounter because one of the oldest ghost stories of the theater is the phantom applause. Is, the, is people from outside the theater hearing what sounded like a show going on. They could hear, you know, hoops and, and applause from inside, so much so that the Spanish Morning News wrote an article, and I want to say it was either the late 1800s or early 1900s, wow. about police officers on the outside of the theater hearing this 
applause coming from inside the theater. And then, of course, finding out that there was nothing in there, that there was nobody in there. And that's just what they heard. It, um, yeah. It definitely was the strangest thing, you know, because I'm just sitting there using the restroom. All of a sudden I hear, woo, woo. It's like, okay, I'm not doing that good of a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and interesting point is that second, that, so there's a, there's a set of bathrooms that are in the midpoint up the stairs into the balcony and lots of people have experiences there. Lots of people feel very, you know, um, sometimes they'll get hyper claustrophobia when they don't have claustrophobia or they'll get that sensation of being watched, which is not the sensation you want when you're in the bathroom, you know, so there's a lot of, 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 of that, uh, that little mid balcony. It's like the, the between of the two, uh, uh, from the lobby to the balcony. Yeah. The, um, on the point of the, the dark entity, that brought up an interesting connection in my mind because I've noticed when I am nearby some locations that have reports of children dying and things like that, I've noted the same entity that I have felt in those places, I felt it at the Willink House. I have felt it over near the Kehoe House region and things like that. So I'm wondering if it's not just an entity that's picked Savannah because we had such a high infant mortality rate. Very likely. You know, and maybe it just kind of chills at the Savannah Theater or it bounces around in ways. Yeah, you know, it's so bizarre because I don't, I try not to invest too much into it. Um, Partly because that's energy that you're giving it, <laughs> but also because it's, it's so full of supposition. It's so full of this, well, you know, because darkness can be any number of things. You know, just the idea that there has been death in a place can develop a darkness. And if you give it too much of, of a personality, if you put too much stake right. into it, you, you begin to mold the darkness into a shape. But the fact that, that it is registered, that people do talk about it, and that there are instances um, uh, in in common demonology to know that demons love children. You know, they they love children, and the question was why. What 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 is it about children that they love? You know, is it the purity, which is a a give or take situation, really, when it comes to it? Is it it's the vibrance of life? Is it these all these different things? And it's like I think it's the quality of the spiritual nature of children that give more energy, more strength. You know, uh, they are, a child doesn't know enough of the balance of the world to combat things. And it's easy to tempt and, and, to, and to cultivate. Um, yeah, I think the most disturbing thing was uh, the night in, in the Savannah Theater, one of the, one of the people, uh, and because I didn't know them all, it, it, that also becomes very difficult because I, I don't know what to trust or, or, or who to trust. But one of them was like, there's a chain, like, through the middle of all these children. They're all chained on, on, in a line, like they're chained. And to which I think some people were like, oh, is it, is it slaves? Are they slaves? You know, is, is this, is, because, you know, Savannah has a slave history. Uh, so there was, there, was, there was a time when people were going this, but this person was adamant that the chains were through them like inside of them um, come to learn later that that was imagery of, of hell of, you know, the chain that we, we pull through a person is a type of torment so that while, while you're pulling on the chain, they're being tormented and tortured and the torture of children's spirits feeding demons is a common trope as well. It's a common theory of how 
dark forces feed. They feed on our fear, on our pain. They feed on our, you know, um, on our torment. You know, that's weird that you talk about the um, connection between how the energy feels at the Savannah Theater, Columbia Square, Kehoe House. I've never connected those because mm-hmm. I felt that same energy in Columbia Square as well and at the, um, the Moon River mm-hmm. and at the Marshall House, several places that children have died. Sure. Absolutely. So well, and that's, that's just weird. it. It may not be a singular entity. It may be the predatory entity of dead children. You know, um, scavengers, as it were. You right. Know, these these could be things drawn to a place. Uh, and again, you give Savannah its props for being open to haunting and open to that spiritual realm. That openness makes it easier for spirits and entities to maneuver. The um, there's another really odd um instance that I heard about, I don't know who this is attached to, but I've heard this story of um, one of the directors at the Savannah Theater, you know, was there before the show or something. He got there early to get some tasks done, and he goes into the dressing room, and this small fire starts in the middle of the floor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, like, it's, like, burning, and he's like, oh, my God, there's a fire, and he goes to run to get, like, a fire extinguisher, and when he comes back, there's no fire, but there's not even a mark on the floor of where a fire would have been, and he was convinced. He's like, no, there was certainly a fire. Like, you could feel the heat. You could you could tell like you know you can't really mistake flames so right right right. um, and that is a common uh story of the kinds of things that happen in the savannah theater with me personally we had tools go missing and that sounds you know innocuous enough but it was literally like i put the hammer down i go to grab the nail i come back and the hammer isn't there and it got so bad that towards and this was, we were building the set for To Kill a Mockingbird. And during the course of this whole time, we're losing tools. We're losing our drill sets. We're losing our hammers. We've lost our, our, our saw. We, we, we were at that last week using a hand screwdriver and screws to hold the set together because we couldn't even find a simple hammer to, to nail our sets together. And uh, the, it was after dress rehearsal... So it was the day of the show. We came in, we turned on the lights, and sitting in the center of the stage was a bucket of all the tools. <laughs> that's, that's clever. And I'm just like, whether it's a ghost or not, I'm not happy. <laughs> also, did we, uh, I feel like I remember you telling me that you were there one time and we had an update on Betty's name. And that's right. that it was Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth. Yes. Yes. Because and, and she doesn't like being called Betty was what we learned. Yes. I actually changed that on my tour because I had it written as Betty because that's like kind of the going knowledge is, you know, it was always Betty. And then when you told me that, I was like, okay, gonna, you know, um, change and, that one. Yeah, I, we had known her as Betty. And even when we found out the actress's name was Elizabeth, we still called her Betty because we thought, you know, Betty is a, a shortened ver- version of Elizabeth. So we didn't think anything of it, but uh, people started getting it in like spirit boxes. <laughs> and, um. and so it became kind of a thematic thing where people would hear these disembodied voices. It's like, my name is Elizabeth. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, I mean, we should probably stop. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense though. If you hate a nickname and mm. you're like, oh my God, I'm going to have to hear this for the rest of eternity. Stop, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> stop doing that. <laughs> 
I've also um, heard that there have been in instances where people are investigating and uh, Elizabeth has come through and she's like, I don't like who's staying in my dressing room. And it was a particular artist who was in town who was performing at the Savannah Theater. And I don't know what it was about that person, but Elizabeth was actively, like every single time while she was in town, would come through on spirit boxes or things like that saying like, I don't like who's in my dressing room. I don't like her. Well, you know, and that was one of the big, big peculiarities of it all was um, the dressing rooms that, that are there now are, do not reflect where the dressing rooms were. So it, it, it raises all these questions of, cause we had no real firm concept of for a while, we were like, she was on the stage. So uh, for a while, we were all just assuming she was waiting for an entrance. She was going to, you know, come up through a, a, a stage door or, or something like that, only to get a hold of some original plans or some of the reconstruction plans to find that the dressing rooms were under the stage. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh, that's interesting. So whenever anybody says things like, uh, Betty didn't like... Or Elizabeth, Elizabeth didn't like um, uh, certain performers. Um, it's likely that it was sharing the stage with them and not necessarily the. the that dressing would make room. sense. Yeah, because I just chalked it up to being, you know, because I knew that about the dressing rooms being under the stage thing, but I assumed in her mind, her logic, all dressing rooms are her dressing. Well, room. and that's fair too. Um, and, and what I, I want to say, because I'd heard this story uh, as well. Um, and it was the question being, was it she didn't like her or she was jealous? Mm, you know, because the whole thing about Betty Elizabeth, <laughs> the whole thing is uh, that everyone got the sense that she died really before she became a star. And oh. she, she, so usually when you see her, is that opening night sensation? Is uh, you know most people who see her is uh, dress rehearsal open night tech week. Uh, there's a lot of of, of Elizabeth sightings, um, and th people are thinking she wants she wants her debut. She wants to be on stage. She wants to shine, and I'm I'm willing to believe that if if an actress is specifically good, <laughs> and maybe looks a little like her, right? You know, there there could be a, a little bit of of you know kind of <laughs> sensation to it all. Makes me wonder if like because she is considered an intelligent haunting with the changes to the theater, maybe she just is like, oh, my dressing room moved. Yeah. Now this is my dressing room. Yeah, I think she just, and like I said, I think she- All dressing rooms yeah, are her dressing right. room. She has just this ownership <laughs> feeling of the theater. She's like, I'm the star, me. <laughs> so it's like, and I mean, that is fairly common in you know the entertainment Absolutely. industry so sure. and especially if during your lifetime you're treated as such a star or things like that it things like that carry over into the afterlife sure. you know and you know you really take on because i think the the story is because it's a, a woman who did a one woman show which would be getting all the limelight oh yeah Absolutely. You know, <laughs> somebody who, who stands on stage by herself and all the applause is is dedicated to her but yeah, and then with the little boy, too, I think he's – I know you said there's, like, documents that there could have been a child that died there. Mm -hmm. Half of me feels like a child would be attracted to the Savannah Theater. Oh, absolutely. Just because of all the pretty lights and all the people, and especially if you have a prankster-type nature to you, you're like, wow, lots of victims I can get to. <laughs> you know, it's like – Well, and that was another thing is the fact that for a long time, 
no one could could specify whether it was a boy or a girl, couldn't nail down an age, which suggested that you were dealing with kind of, you know, a trickster ghost, a ghost that, that was not necessarily attached to the theater or anything like that. They were, they were there for the interaction, not for memory. But the story of, uh, of Benjamin was the name of the boy who, who was trampled to death. What was strange was the way the theater is laid out, um, where he died is not really an accessible place, but it is exactly where most people sense and see this mm. entity. But we were never able to connect those two things, not really. And it was when we found out, oh, that's the old fire exit, you know, because it is still a fire exit, but it's just not a place that anybody thinks about. Uh, because the, the real weird thing is, no matter what time of year, oftentimes if you touch that door, it's really warm. Oh. You know, yeah, you get this kind of sensation that, that there's still a fire in this one area. I'm going to have to go touch that door. Yeah, go touch right. the door. <laughs> go touch the door. And, it, and that's not to say that there's not a bunch of kid ghosts that are, that's true you too. know, hanging out and causing tricks. So many unexplained things there. I once um, gave uh, a BBC uh, news crew a tour of the theater uh, talking about ghosts. And we were, so the projection room and the upper stairs, uh, upper seats have all been closed off and turned into storage. So we were in one of the storage areas. So one side is costumes. The other side were like stacks of old computers. You know, so like old computer monitors stacked up and we were standing in that room. And I'm talking to these, uh, it was a a reporter and and two techs. And we're talking and one of the techs is like, that monitor just turned on. So we turned and we looked and it was a computer monitor and it was doing a glow. And, you know, it was the old like DOS computer. Yeah. So, you know, it was just doing that glow that you see in a computer that isn't showing anything. And then one by one, they all kind of came on. None of them were plugged in. And we were just standing there looking at it and we, we like pulled them down, walked them across the room, <laughs> put them on the ground. And it was like, um, I got nothing. I don't know why yeah. this is happening. <laughs> well, you know, Kids are like that, and we'll we'll stand our ground with that one. Kid ghosts are the most active, so it's it's not surprising. Absolutely. But, um, Radar, thank you so much for being on the podcast again. We really appreciate having you. I always enjoy coming on. And um, Radar is also a para-junkie, so if you want to connect with her, um, para-junkies now have an exclusive Discord channel. So if Uh. you... I've already been on there talking to some of them today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to talk to her, uh, she is on there. And if you want to meet other para junkies, you can meet them in the Discord. They're very active, very nice people. So, um, But thank you guys again for listening. Uh, Radar, do you have anything else you want to plug before um, we... Just don't forget, visit the haunted, haunted Coffee Grounds down in Midway, the Paranormal Society. Check them out with their classes and stuff. And then, of course, the Horror Fest, which we're all going to be there. So. Yep. Yep, so definitely check all of that out. Um, If you don't already follow us on social media, you can find it under Haunted City Podcasts on every single platform. And if you are a para-junkie, make sure to check for the link for the Discord so that you can come discourse with us, I guess, if that's the term for it. I know nothing about Discord. I am learning with you guys. so it's. I'll uh, I'll teach you whatever you need to know. Yes. So (laughs) uh, thank you guys again for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. Stay spooky, y'all.